Don't look now, but the Hawks are hot again. It's showing up at the right time. Five wins in a row. We seem to be playing with a good rhythm. Welcome to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm your host, Sarah Spencer, Hawks beat reporter for the AJC. And on today's episode, we will talk Saturday's game, biggest game of the season against the Nets with playoff, play-in, seating on the line, and the Hawks capitalized. We will talk the resurgence of Clint Capella. We'll talk Trey Young down the stretch. We'll get into how the Hawks have now won five games in a row, as Nate McMillan just alluded to there. And of course, we will take your questions. The Hawks Report is brought to you by Emory Healthcare, the official team healthcare provider of the Atlanta Hawks. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A quick reminder that if you're listening to us for the first time, please subscribe on Apple or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, um, so you never miss an episode. Before we start, I really want to thank Dominique Wilkins again for joining us Friday, even though he did not have much time pregame, understandably. He's obviously like literally on TV um, when he's at the game working, but that was the time we were able to do it, and so even though... Uh, He didn't have too much time. Super thankful for every single minute he gave us because he did not have to do that. Obviously a busy guy. Um, So definitely really, really grateful for him. And it was an awesome episode. He really shared a lot of fun stuff, a lot of good answers. Obviously really insightful guy with a ton of experience. Um, So check that episode out if you haven't done so. Okay, let's talk Saturday's game against Brooklyn. The Hawks got a 122 to 115 win against the Nets. Um, really hard to understate. I mean, this was like, this was definitely the biggest one of the season. Um, and a lot of that is because obviously it's late in the season. So there's just a lot more on the line. There's playoff seating on the line, or in this case, play in tournament. Um, so huge, huge game for the Hawks. Fortunately, they got it at home. Uh, they've been playing very, very well at home. Went into the fourth quarter up seven, but the lead got down to one with 232 to play. So again, you know, holding on to leads has has been tough for the Hawks at some points this season. But the difference in this game, and we'll talk about this more throughout this episode, the Hawks have, have kind of been turning that on its head a little bit. They've had a few a few good finishes on this little hot stretch, and they've also been beating the teams that they should beat. In addition to continuing to get up for those big games, like we've talked about, that's something they've, that has not been the issue. They've been doing that for the most part all season long. Um, But yeah, on this five game winning streak, we'll get into more about that. But to get back to just the game against the Nets, came down to the wire and that was okay because the Hawks responded in the clutch. They got, you got a little hook shot from Bogey 
wasn't the biggest scoring game from him, but still obviously a good, very, very clutch shot there. Then seven points for Trey Young in about two and a half minutes. So even though Kevin Durant was out of his mind in this game with 55 points, he was unstoppable. Kyrie had 31 points. He was difficult to stop. (laughs) But it turns out, the Hawks didn't necessarily need to stop those two guys. Uh, Trey Young talked about that a little bit after the game. Those those are guys who they're going to score. They're very, very difficult, if not impossible, to stop. All you can do is try to make their life hard and do what you can. Make sure there's not too many people getting after you at once. And it turned out... Even though Kevin Durant got his points, even though Kyrie got his points, um, the Hawks were able to really limit everybody else. And then it came down to the wire, and they just edged them down the stretch. Um, Trey finished with 36 points, 10 assists, 6 rebounds. The bench, actually... So in my in my story after this game, I did make Trey the player of the game. I have a little stat of the game, player of the game, quotable little section um, if y'all have read any of my stuff after after games, hopefully you have if you're listening to this podcast. If not, uh, subscribe to the AJC and read those stories. But yeah, so so I did make Trey the player of the game. But man, I there's a good case for just putting like the Hawks bench as player of the game. Um, the bench combined for 46 points. So that's Bogey, Neil Gallinari, DeLon Wright, Anyeka Kongwu, Lou Williams, and that group actually combined for seven of the Hawks' ten steals in this game. This was a this was an active defensive game for the Hawks. It it might not look like it from the final score. It might not necessarily. I'm not saying the defense was fantastic. It might not look like it from uh, KD getting 55 points. Although he's kind of insane and can get 55 even if you're playing you know lights out defense against him sometimes. Um, but I do think this was a pretty active defensive game from the Hawks, and sometimes that's all you can ask for. Um, And so definitely a very good – this was a very good bench game. The bench has been very, very good for the Hawks since Bogey moved to the bench and has kind of been leading leading that unit, playing through him. Um, It just gives you, obviously, another scorer, playmaker guy on that unit. And then you combine that with, you know, Onyeka Okongwu, who's coming along defensively. DeLon Wright, who I think people are starting to come around a little bit to DeLon Wright and his game. Um, Friend of the podcast, DeLon Wright. We had him on um, pretty early on in this show. I think that was like the second, I think that was the second guest we had on. Um, Third, no, third, sorry, second player. And that's that's his game. His game is not necessarily scoring a ton his game is is defending and just being sound and honestly the Hawks have a lot of guys who can kind of score out the wazoo like the Hawks have a lot of shooters they've got a lot of guys who are who are so skilled offensively they could use more uh, of that DeLon Wright just kind of solid defense and you know getting a getting a steal when someone's inbounding the ball just like being very defensively aware and just those heads up plays um so anyway DeLon Wright had two steals um, you know, nine points. So it's not like he didn't score in this game. Um, but just saying, you know, I think Delon doesn't necessarily have to score to be very valuable for the Hawks. And that's same with, uh, yeah, basically same with him just defensively, offensively. He can, he can really kind of do his thing even without scoring a ton. But anyway, I just don't want to undersell the 
value of the bench in this game. Um, they were actually all positive in plus minus. The bench was all positive, um, which sometimes plus minus can be a little bit overblown, but I, I don't think it was in this game. I think that kind of shows you how sound the bench was. Um, so this win moved the Hawks up to eighth place. They may not stay there, but obviously that's a great place to be for now. We are recording this Sunday, kind of early afternoon. The Hawks will play in Toronto Tuesday. Then they've got the Wizards, second half of a back-to-back, at home on Wednesday. That's the Hawks' final home game. Then they'll play in Miami Friday, April 8th. Then they will play in Houston Sunday, April 10th. So those four games... That is the final four games of the regular season for the Hawks. We are down to four people. Four. This is this is wild. We're almost coming to an end here. It's nuts. Um, Hawks are forty-one and thirty-seven right now. Obviously, um, they're now that they've won five straight. I can. I've been saying this stat, you know, multiple times. But when they beat Cleveland Thursday, that was the first time the Hawks were three games over five hundred all season long. So obviously the same thing can be said for four games over 500 one game later, 41 and 37. So when you think of that, the first time that they've been above, you know, three games above 500, four games above 500 all season long, it's a good time to be in that position. You know, it's all, it's all relative. It's a good time to be in that position, but then you it's definitely, it's kind of crazy to think that they haven't been three games above 500 all season long, but anyway, they're here now. They're here now. Um, I did want to say one thing about DeAndre Hunter, who had a rough outing in that game against the Cavs, and we'll talk more about the past week in just a second. Um, But he bounced back. He got into a little bit of foul trouble, um, but he bounced back with, I thought, a pretty nice game, especially to start the game. He had a strong start, ended up with 15 points, 10 rebounds. Um, He is not the biggest rebounder, so that double-double, 10 rebounds for him is pretty good. Um, honestly, just all around a very, very solid win for this Hawks team. They did exactly what they needed to do. They've been playing really well at home, and this is just a great win for them. And Trey Young talked about how that win against the Nets was just so important. Yeah, I mean, this was a big game for us. Uh, I mean, just knowing where we are, the, the East, and how tough the East is, and uh, how deep um, the East is. So we we know what, what, where we're at. Uh, we know how many games we have left. So we just, uh, this is definitely a big game for us. Okay. You could even say a win worth drinking to, maybe. Um, so after Trey Young came to the podium, Danilo Gallinari came into the press room. It's actually funny. Like last time Trey and Gallo came out for interviews, like back to back, Trey had left his sunglasses on the table. And then Gallo just put him on. And then midway through one of Gallo's answers, Trey came back and was like, I need my glasses, man. And Gallo was kind of like, oh, they're mine now. I thought I thought you gifted them to me by by leaving them here. And anyway, so he had to give the glasses back. Um, so at first I was like wondering, I was wondering, like, is, is the glasses saga going to continue here? But actually Gallo came into the uh, came into kind of where the Hawks do press conferences and whatnot. Um, he strolled in with a glass of wine. And I, I enjoy wine. I'm not like fancy with it, but I'm definitely a wine person. Um, so immediately, like, you know, 
I would have been paying attention anyway, but I was definitely super paying attention. <laughs> um, and I wanted to hear about this glass of wine. So a lot of times Nate McMillan will give like the player of the game or, you know, a great player from someone who had a great performance um, wine that night, like a bottle or something. And um, Gallo came in with a glass. And here's how he explained the wine situation. The wine is because coach uh, gave the glass of wine to the bench mob. Um, and so we are just enjoying it. So celebrating with a little glass of wine for the bench. <laughs> oh, man, I did not ask what specific kind of wine it was. It was red wine, though, which is my favorite. Um, so hopefully it was it was delicious. Um, anyway, but they definitely earned it. And here's Hawks coach Nate McMillan on why. Our second group was really, uh, really good tonight. Uh, with DeLon and Bogey, uh, Gallo, O, and uh, when Lou came in, both halves, I think they were the difference, you know, stretching that lead in the first half. And then the second half, they did the same thing. Bottom line, the Hawks have now won five games in a row, dating back to the Warriors without Steph Curry, the Pacers without pretty much anybody that would normally be the pace, the very shorthanded Pacers, the Thunder, Without their top five scorers, the Thunder are obviously rebuilding anyway. And then on top of that, they were super injured. Cleveland missing three starters. And now the Nets, who had both Katie and Kyrie, still some guys out like Seth Curry. But overall, that's still that's still a, a very you know loaded Nets team that you're playing. Um, still a, a ton to handle there. So anyway, my, my point by listing all those injuries is not to say is not too short the Hawks on those wins because they go down as wins. So I, I'm not saying, oh, that, uh, oh, I'm trying to take anything away from them with that. I'm really not. My point is actually to, my point is actually to point out something good, which is that throughout the season, if you look at some of the numbers of the Hawks up against like sub 500 teams, it's it's not great that that big picture is not great. So lately for them to be winning the games that they should win on paper, that's actually a really good sign. They're picking up those wins that they need to win. Um, Nate McMillan calls those um, take care of business wins. Pretty, pretty accurate, honestly, pretty accurate um, terminology there. And then in addition, they got a great win against. I mean, and first of all, the Warriors are still just because you don't have Steph Curry. I mean, they still had a ton to contend with there. And then they got a great win against the Nets, who obviously having to go against Katie and Kyrie in addition to all of Brooklyn. That's a tough battle. And it, and it was a tough battle. Um, the Hawks led for quite a bit in the game, but it came down to the wire. And then they did what they needed to, um, to, to edge the Nets straight. So that puts the Hawks at number eight as of now. Remember how the play-in tournament works. If you're a nine or a 10, you've got to win two games if you're a seven or an eight it's when one and you are in so you're at number eight for now we'll have we'll just have to see where they shake out we'll just have to see where they shake out at the end Atlanta will actually be locked into a play-in game if Toronto wins Sunday we're recording this Sunday afternoon, so I do not know if Toronto will win Sunday, but so you guys will know uh, by the time this this episode comes out tomorrow. Um, one tidbit I wanted to talk about, not necessarily just from that game against the the Nets, N yeah, not just that, but overall, I wanted to take a look at Clint Capella 
and how he has sort of been getting back to form. Obviously, the reason why Clint, the, or sorry, the, sorry, the reason why the Hawks did what they did last year in, in a in a lot of ways is because Clint was sort of their Superman defensively. That's how they were able to go on that run. One of the reasons why they were able to go on that run all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals, win two games against Milwaukee once they got there. Um, to start the season, Clint was struggling with some injuries, some nagging stuff, um, was not finishing around the rim as well as you'd like. But here's Clint Capella post-All-Star break. 11.1 points, 11.3 rebounds, 1.2 blocks, shooting 65.4% from the field since the All-Star break. So I think Clint getting back to getting back to the level that he was at last season, I think you've seen that the past maybe couple months, definitely the last month. And the Hawks need that big time from him. Um, Clint, I, I don't even think even to even when he was struggling finishing around the rim, even when he was not fully himself to start the season, I just think people sometimes it's sometimes it's easy to forget just how much Clint does for the Hawks in the paint and just how much he cleans up for them in the paint. Um, it doesn't always show up in the stat sheet. Not the most, you know, not exactly like a, a fun stat or anything to throw out there, but he really cleans up a lot for him. Anyway, I just wanted to point that out because he has been playing a lot better and him getting back into form is is huge for the Hawks. And here's Nate McMillan on that. And we've needed that. We've, we've needed all of our guys to uh, you know step up their level of play. Uh, we talked about this probably about a month ago. Uh, another level is what we uh, needed to uh, get to uh, in these remaining games. And uh, that was a challenge to the entire team. And, uh, you know, it really starts with our, our first group. And, you know, Clinton's a big part of establishing that defense for us. He was also asked if this team is playing its best basketball of the season. Yeah, I think it's been, uh, you know, the best basketball. It's been consistent basketball. I think, you know, we've, we've uh, established our defense. Uh, you know, offensively, we're getting ball movement. We're scoring the ball. Uh, and, you know, both groups are consistent. So this is not the first time this season that the Hawks have won five games in a row because famously, if you guys remember, they won seven in a row when we started this podcast. So that was fun. That was a fun way to start this thing out. Um, they helped us out a little bit there. Um, so anyway, it's not the first time that they have won five in a row but it's probably, uh, obviously, obviously, it's the most crucial time of the season. And they have been playing. Yes, it was a, yes, it was quite a journey for them to get over 500. So they got over that hump and then they've continued to win since then. So obviously, not the first time that they got on a winning streak this season. There haven't been too, too many of them because they were a sub 500 team for, for so long. But if you're going to start rounding into form, now is the time to do it. This is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze. Tropical beach. An air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com.
In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I want to say thank you to everyone who subscribes to the AJC and AJC.com because it really is what makes all of this possible. And if you aren't a subscriber, you can go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast and your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. So you always know what's really going on. Okay, let's get into my favorite segment the mailbag segment and I'm going to bring in producer Jay to help me get through this mailbag segment and we're going to play some music because that's how important this is we get hype for the mailbag segment here at the Hawks Report we really got to get dramatic now because it's the last week of the regular season and the playoffs are around the corner so we'll start with this from at wet pepper did the defense take (laughs) a turn on Saturday night I test said yes to me so I think that the Hawks defense improving and the eye test. I, I, yeah, I mean, I definitely, I definitely hear what he's saying there. Um, I think the Hawks defense has been improving for a little bit now. And I think that goes back to what we were talking about with Clint. I think Clint rounding into form is for sure going to help the eye test. It's also going to, you know, going to help your actual, actual defense um and I also think you saw even when Clint was off the floor which sometimes um Nate will play Clint with the bench or sometimes he'll mix up you know the lineups a little bit but even when it was an all bench lineup out there you saw a really scrappy bench unit getting steals left and right and playing so active defensively so I think the combination of the bench playing scrappy defense and then Clint Capella rounding into form um I think that combination I think that'll actually improve your defense a little bit and obviously the eye test um that shows up on the eye test as well um and obviously even with against a team like the Nets like again guys like KD and Kyrie they're gonna get their points and is am I trying to say the defense was like you know spectacular and it limited KD well no he had 55 but still the Hawks got the win, so they did just enough. They did just enough defensively uh, to get to get this win. So anyway, I would say I don't know if it took a turn in the sense that it's it's hard to predict what it's hard to predict the future. But obviously, the Hawks are certainly hoping it took a turn because that would mean they would be getting that consistently. And if they can be just good enough defensively, the Hawks' offense is so outstanding that I think that could make quite a difference for them. All right, next up, Sam Wilson. When's John Collins coming back, and how's his recovery going? Okay, so on April 1st, the Hawks sent out an update on John Collins, who has a right foot strain, including a plantar fascia tear, which I can't say without like cringing because that just sounds so awful, um, and right ring finger sprain is, quote, Continuing to progress through his rehab activities, his return to basketball activity will be dependent on upcoming follow-up appointments with foot and finger specialists 
and consultation with the team's medical staff. His status will be updated as appropriate, end quote. So that is saying a whole lot without really saying anything. Um, That is not really an update, I don't feel. Um, They had said they were going to send out an update on John Collins, and maybe there's just not too much to say at this point. I mean, he might just still be rehabbing and might just still be working through it. Um, But even, I mean, even to say continuing his progress through his rehab, they don't say progressing to what. You know, it's not like he... It's not like they've said, okay, now he's working with the ball or, okay, now he's sprinting. Okay, now he's jumping. Um, So that's actually not that's actually not really an update. I wish I had an update for y'all, but this is just not really an update. Um, So it also says, you know, return to basketball activity, which, again, I mean, that can just mean practice like that doesn't mean, okay, he's ready to play in a game will be dependent on follow up, follow up appointments. So. So, I mean, they they haven't had those appointments yet, at least as of when this update came out. Um, So I wish I had more for y'all. I understand people being really excited for um, John Collins to come back. Obviously, a a tough time for him to be out. Um, The Hawks have won five in a row without him. So I guess that is good news that they're, they're getting by without him. But you'd rather, particularly when it comes to rebounding, uh, the Hawks, definitely need John. He's one of the guys on the team that really goes after rebounds and, and seeks them out. Um, plays with energy, obviously a good finisher. I mean, uh, there's, there's a lot of reasons I could list why the Hawks don't want to be without John Collins when it comes to postseason time or just in general. But unfortunately that's, it's just not much of an update. I, I just think that um, I think he's still working through some things and um, everything that Nate McMillan has said also is kind of, very when it comes to John is is very very measured and kind of tepid in terms of it it does not sound like John is getting close I'll just say that um maybe there's you know some stuff going on behind the scenes but it doesn't really sound like he's he's coming back anytime soon um you know maybe he starts making some rapid progress but based on that injury report update if we want to call it an update based on that that is it's not the most promising um so I mean I have seen John doing some work on the sides you know on like let's say um away game you know shoot arounds when I go over to the arena in the mornings um you know he's he's talking to people he's you know his normal lively self like you I'm sure it's very difficult the position that he's in um but I do think it's valuable for him to at least be you know talking to be able to be on the bench with the guys and, and talk to the guys and, you know, give advice to, uh, you know, when Jalen Johnson was playing, who he's still in um, concussion protocol, at least as of um, at least as of the latest injury report. I do think that that's valuable. But as far as um, an update on how he's coming back, I just can't say quite yet. And some of that might be because the Hawks don't really know. It could be so I won't say day to day because, you know, he's been out for a bit, but it could just be tough to predict and they don't want to put a date out there because then if you miss that return timeline, um, that can be frustrating too. So anyway, that's the John Collins situation. I wish it was, I wish it sounded a little bit more promising. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Um, and if there's any good news, as soon as I know y'all will know, but that's where it is right now. All right. Last one. And this is uh, anonymous from your uh, DMS. How unique (laughs) is Trey Young's ability to get to the foul line? 
Uh, pretty unique, um, for sure. Um, Trey is sixth in free throws made per game in the league at 6.6. And he is sixth in free throws attempted at 7.3. So, I mean, that's that's obviously pretty unique as stats go. Um, that, that really, really showed itself in the win against the Nets. Um, the Hawks had a season high by quite a bit in free throw, both free throws made and attempted. They were 37 for 49 from the line in this game. That's compared to Brooklyn's 14 for 19. So, yeah, definitely like a gigantic disparity there. Kevin Durant actually made a comment after this game that they got kind of roasted at the line and it wasn't, he said it, it wasn't necessarily the refs. They were kind of being undisciplined. Um, so even Durant, you know, talked about that a little bit. Um, so 37 for 49, Trey Young himself was 12 for 14. It was actually kind of funny when he went to the podium, obviously this was a good game for Trey Young and the Hawks won, you know, their biggest one of the season. And he sits down and he was like, man, I missed two free throws. What? <laughs> so anyway, he, even he was, um, paying close, close attention to those numbers. Um, so this got like so much coverage coming into this season, um, and I've written about this before. Um, this was definitely more of a, a more of a thing at the beginning of the season because anytime there's a rule change or interpretation of rules, you know, differently, um, it's just it takes people time to adjust. It's become kind of less of a thing throughout the season. I remember even talking to referees before the season about you know just how how things were going to be called differently, um, and. As far as, you know, players jumping into defenders, I mean, y'all know, like there, there are some, some rule changes there. Some of it was not going to affect Trey. Some of it was. And at the beginning of the season, you saw, you know, that was, that was obviously a topic. Um, I will say from last season to this season. So last season, he was seven for seven. He averaged 7.7 free throws per game, 8.7 attempts so that's 88.6 percent so this season he's at 6.6 for 7.3 attempts so that's 90.3 attempts so I mean it's gone down like one ish a little bit above one but that's it's that's not that drastic of a difference really um he was also last year scoring uh, he averaged 25.3 points per game. If you just want to talk about scoring, he's at 28.3 points per game this season. So, you know, averaging a career high 38.3 from from three, averaging a career high just field goal percentage 45.9. So it did affect him, I think, to start the season in the sense that you have to adjust. Because, um, again, the kind of, Kind of like jumping in, like when a defender's planted, um, that was something that was different this year. But anyway, I, I do think it's a it's a really it's a skill to be able to draw fouls, to be able to get to the line. Um, that can really help you in games, which was a big part of I think why the Hawks beat the Nets. I think it's very unique, but I don't think it's the only thing he does well. You know, as we just mentioned, his he's getting to the line a tad less this season, but scoring more. So. Clearly, he can score in multiple different ways. And yeah, that wraps up the mailbag segment. So thank you. Thanks, Jay. You're welcome. And don't forget, 
we got Southern Fried Soccer coming out, Doug Robertson's post-game show on Atlanta United's dramatic win against D.C. United on Saturday, and we got a new episode of the Braves Report as we enter opening week for the Braves. Ask me if I listened to the Braves Report episode. Sarah, did you listen to the Braves Report episode? I did. Yay! I did. And um, Gabe was on it. Yes. It was, it was a three-person one. Gabe was great. Love, Gabe. Justin's doing awesome. You're doing awesome with that show, so... Good job all around. We have a robust sports podcast department now, so it's a lot we of fun. We do. We do. It's it's fun. It's fun to have like different mediums to to talk about these things. And as y'all could tell, I could like talk to a wall. So I I don't know. I'm I'm chatty. I, I like this medium a lot. Um but yeah, okay, so let's look ahead to this week. Um five wins in a row right now for the Hawks. Again, this is, we're recording this Sunday afternoon. Um, this will come out Monday. The Hawks will practice tomorrow. And then, so sorry, the Hawks will practice Monday and then they will play in Toronto Tuesday. That's a pretty big one as well. Um, again, if, if Toronto wins, today which is sunday <laughs> gotta get my day straight day straight when you're recording differently than the day something comes out um if toronto wins sunday then the hawks are locked into a planned tournament spot um that was probably going to be the case anyway you know that's probably been the case for for a while now just because of um the way the majority of their season has gone even though it looks like they're finishing strong here they will play the wizards wednesday at home, that's the last home game, second game of a back-to-back. So that game, it's not necessarily going to be a slouch, you know, um, that you got to travel um, second half of a back-to-back, and that's that's a win the Hawks need to pick up there. Then they'll play in Miami. Obviously, that's going to be a really tough one there. <laughs> uh, Miami is, is a very good team this year. Um, and then they will finish the season in Houston. So that is sort of the – that's their final slate there. Um, Miami's obviously number one in the East right now. Toronto is number five. Um, and then let's take a look at the play-in here. Cavs at seven. Hawks at eight for now. Um, and the Hawks are one game ahead of the Hornets and the Nets. And the Hornets and the Nets are – locked into the play-in tournament at this point. And also, the uh, 11 through 15 in the East have already been eliminated from play-in tournament contention, which makes sense because we're running out of time here. Running out of games, running out of time. So yeah, there's some teams that have been uh, eliminated already. Um, Houston, that's another game. You know, the Hawks, quote-unquote, should win. Um, So even if they get locked into playing you know the play-in tournament again that's probably gonna happen anyway um even if you get locked in there you can still finish the season strong and see if you can potentially stay at an eight I'm not sure we'll have to see um maybe they'll you know finish at nine which would mean you would play the first play-in tournament game at home um which would be ideal comparatively so still a lot to figure out still a lot to shake out in these final this final, I guess, really week of the regular season. So that wraps up today's episode. Thank you for listening. Um, Please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, share, all that good stuff. And we will have another episode for you later this week. Thank you guys again for listening to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.